You're listening to Life Repurposed with Michelle Rayburn, where you'll find uplifting and practical advice for everyday living, creative inspiration for do-it-yourself projects, and recommendations for books and resources that will encourage you to embrace your life repurposed. I'm your host, Michelle Rayburn. Hey friends, I'm back with another solo episode. I gave you a couple of extra guest interviews in there, but now I'm back for episode number 98, which means we're almost to episode number 100, and I'll have a little surprise for you on episode 100. I'm going to be having a guest interview me, and you'll find out who that is on that episode. But in the meantime, we're counting down to number 100. And today I'm in a contemplative mood. It's the week before another birthday, and I've been reflecting a little bit about what kind of legacy I want to leave. Why do I do the show? I plan to be here for a long time doing the show, but none of us knows how many days we have on earth. And so we don't know what our legacy will be or how long it will be. And the other thing that's really been on my mind is having been with some of my podcaster friends just this week and talking in our weekly meeting about what's going on in our lives, I've realized how What's going on in one person's life ultimately has a ripple effect on somebody else. And so I heard the sad news of the passing of Steve Austin, who is an author and fellow podcaster, and he lost his life due to the emotional pain that he had been going through, and he essentially took his own life. And even though I didn't know him personally, my heart breaks for his family, for his wife, for the children he left behind, for my podcasting friends who are so saddened by the loss of their dear friend, and for the readers who are desperately waiting for his next book. He is a voice on mental health in the church. And so there's just so many things that have been whirling around in my mind. And it begs asking, is there a possibility that in becoming focused on what happens in the after of after Christ transforms us, that we forget that there's an ongoing battle. Sometimes I think we forget that even though God heals us of the pain and he He transforms our lives, there still is this ongoing battle within us because we're here on earth in this imperfect place. It's not a simple before and after one and done kind of a thing. We're always in progress. So even in our writing for my fellow authors out there, our books, if we're podcasters, if we're meeting with friends and we're telling our stories, we're still in a battle for our emotions, our mental health, our freedom from those demons of the past, and the peace that we're always trying to find. That is an ongoing thing. It made me also think about how we respond to one another. So sometimes I can get so focused on my own work that I miss the needs of people in my circles. And I also can be talking face to face with somebody and I might miss what they really need. Sometimes our own struggles will give us clues to how we can respond to other people. I don't know if you found that before, but if you have felt hurt by somebody, something somebody said, think about how that feels. And then you wonder, have I ever said that to somebody? And almost always I can say, I have, I have done that. So I'm going to give you some tips today that are going to be based on my own struggle, basically, of what God's working on in me. I want to think about finding purpose in listening more and putting empathy before solutions when it comes to other people. 
I love on this show rejoicing in the stories of repurposed life and the beautiful restoration that Jesus offers. I also need to pause and remember that we still live in a broken world. God created this perfect world way back in the beginning, but from the time of Adam and Eve, it's been really messed up. The great news is that from the moment they broke the connection with God, he already had a plan put in place to restore it. And I think that's the important thing for us to remember is that God does want to continue to restore, but it's an ongoing thing. And we can't always explain away every awful thing with a flippant declaration of God's purpose. I can't just declare, well, God had a purpose in that. So no matter how horrible that is, it's fine. It isn't fine. If you're somebody who has struggled with trauma, there's something that has happened in your past, something that's ongoing. I don't want to be flippant and just erase it away and say, well, that was part of God's purpose. We have to understand that he provides new purpose despite the pain. He restores the brokenness. He leads us out of the wasteland, but there will always be questions. I will always wonder why some people go through unspeakable heartache while others don't. I will never understand that. I'll wonder why some people have full healing and others have an ongoing struggle with the brokenness. I don't have answers to the whys, but I do know that every tragedy should give us reason to look and ask God, what do you want me to notice? We can't rescue every hurting person, but what if we practiced noticing the real hurt in someone else? Today, I want to look at how we can be purposeful in our response to others and make that our life purpose of saying, if I'm going to live in this broken world and we're going to be broken people together, let's be on a journey where we help people find hope and healing and where we are not so focused on fixing and finding solutions, but on resting in listening to their emotions, listening to their needs, finding out more about the person. I want to talk specifically today about how our responses can affect people. I'm going to give a personal example in a second, but what I want to make really clear here is that we are not responsible for someone else's responses. We're not responsible for someone else's mental health, but we play a role in that. So even though someone else is responsible for what's going on in their life and the choices they make, we are all in this together. We feel one another's emotions. We are very connected. And so it's important that we understand how to feel and listen and be supportive. Now, I'm going to give a personal example, like I said, and this is because I'm learning from it and realizing that in the same way that I want other people to learn to respond differently to me, I also need to learn how to respond differently to other people. So here's the example. I've been in a state of too much for a while. I feel like there's been too much, too much more work in the day than there are hours, more options than there is time, um, more thoughts going through my head and overwhelm and I I bump things to the next day and then I work a long day and I try to knock out some more of those tasks. Now, amid this season, and it is a season, this is not how I live all the time, but I go through these seasons where I have more margin and seasons where I don't really have as much. But during this season, I'm still taking breaks on Sunday to unplug and rest. And so 
if I get a text message that's business related or an email, I don't answer them. I've been trying to stay completely away from my laptop and just use my phone or my tablet because I'm more likely to just be like scrolling through Pinterest or something than I am to be reading work emails and stuff like that. So I am still making time for that because that's the only way that I can really stay sane in the middle of a busy season. But sometimes that isn't enough. Sometimes midweek, I'm just so overwhelmed. I could, I, I feel like I'm going to crash and burn. I'm going to cry or I'm going to have a meltdown or I don't know where to begin and I just don't want to do anything. Sometimes I just have moments like that and it feels like there's no end to the overwhelm. And I know it's just an emotional response and I just need to calm myself down and work through it. And then I'm just fine. So if you can relate, I, I totally understand what it feels like when you think you're about to lose your mind and then you pull yourself back together. And sometimes I'm able to do that on my own and I just process and other times I need to reach out to a friend. I might reach out to my husband and share it with him and I might reach out to a friend or I might share something on social media. But here's what I want us to think about is when somebody reaches out, and this is just going to be an example of one area of life. We're going to talk specifically about overwhelm for a couple of minutes, but then you're going to see how this applies to everyday life in so many different areas. When this happens, we get different responses from people. And I want to give you a few that are examples of ones that I received and tell you why they actually didn't make me feel tons better, even though I totally know that I could hear the concern of the people who love me and I totally know their hearts and know that there's not a selfish bone in them. But here are some of the responses, okay? So let's imagine I say, I'm just, I feel like I'm drowning in to-do list, okay? Here's one response. Girl, you need to take more time off. Here's a couple more. You're going to burn yourself out. There isn't enough margin in your week. You work too hard. You can't keep going at this pace. Okay, so I said I could hear the concern. I know their hearts, but here's the problem. None of those made me feel better. And these are just hypothetical examples. I have not quoted any of my friends, okay? I'm giving you hypotheticals and I'm saying none of these made me feel better or make me feel better because each one filters through with some sort of shame on my end that tells me you're doing it all wrong. Now listen to this. Girl, you need to take more time off. Why does that say you're doing it all wrong? It piles on more stress because I, I know I, I want more time off. I totally want more time off. <laughs> so I'm feeling like I'm doing it all wrong if I can't take the time off. I'm going to burn myself out. Well, yeah, I know. I, I'm, I'm saying I'm going to get there. I get it. There isn't enough margin. You work too hard. You can't keep going at this pace. All of that says to me you're doing it wrong. And it, it doesn't help. It feels even worse. Now, some people offer ideas and... This again are hypotheticals. Examples would be you should schedule a vacation. Where will you create space for self-care? Why don't you say no more? Have you outsourced everything you can? How will you sustain this? Do you have a plan? Okay, maybe you can spot the problem there too. Again, hear that the intent is good, but the real message can come through. You should be able to do this better. You should schedule a vacation. You should have more self-care. You should say no more. You hear the shoulds in there. And it says to me, well, you should be able to do this better. What's wrong with you? So this has made me think because sometimes 
the feedback that we receive from other people, if it feels as if it's going to pile on more of the same kind of stress, sometimes we tend to withdraw. And what I want to do is open doors for us to be able to communicate and be safe and be able to express, this is how I feel. Now, I'm saying this to myself too, because each time something like that happens, it makes me realize that there are times that I have missed someone else's true need. And there are times when my very genuine attempts to help somebody have actually come across as more piling on the stress that they're feeling. So even when we intend it the right way, sometimes we have a challenge. So this has made me think, could we miss someone's true need? When someone shares their struggle, do we try to fix and do we unintentionally make them feel chastised or shamed? I've caught myself saying things that I know are unhelpful. So how can we change our purpose from fixing to true friending? Well, I've started a list of possible responses that have a different narrative. These are responses that switch our purpose from giving advice or fixing to one that focuses on letting someone know that they have been seen or heard, but doesn't add more pressure. Now, in my Facebook community, I'm going to ask a question and try to continue to expand this list because I know this is just the tip of the iceberg. And I know if we brainstorm together that we could actually come up with some things we can practice. And that's truly what it is. We have to practice. I have to practice pausing and not saying the very first thing and ask myself what would be the most encouraging thing that would show empathy. So we want to speak to understand more rather than offering solutions. And speaking to understand more often involves asking a question. But we want to make sure the question isn't one of those things like, where will you create space? Why don't you say no? So why or how can sometimes feel like we're trying to fix. Except for when we ask this one, how can I encourage you right now? This is not asking the person to do something. It's asking, what can I do? How can I? So here's some possibilities that we could use. How can I encourage you right now? What would bless you? I hear you're saying you're stressed. I'm here for you. So I validated what they're saying and I say, I'm here for you. That's it. I'm not offering any fixes. Maybe one question would be, what would you say to me if I were in your shoes? That gives a, an opportunity for me to hear what would be really helpful versus what I think would be helpful. Another question, if you had no barriers, how would you solve your dilemma? And maybe they have an answer, maybe they don't, but it leaves room for them to imagine a solution without me providing one. Maybe sometimes it's just offering empathy of just feedback. That sounds frustrating. Wow, that's terrible. Maybe they need to be validated on their capability with something like, I see how capable you are and I know you can do this. I'm cheering you on toward your next break. You know, sometimes in the middle of a difficult time, we know there's a break coming and we know our closest friends and family members and that they do come down from that peak of anxiety and come back to a more restful place. So I'm here to cheer you on toward the next break when I know you get down to that valley again. The other thing we can do is make sure that somebody wants to talk about something if it seems stressful, sometimes the question is, would you prefer to talk about something else? I'm here either way. Put it in, put, 
they're totally in control of the conversation. Another thing we can say to somebody is be gentle with yourself. You're doing the best you can. Another one is to validate whether they want space or want me to hang out. Would you prefer some space or do you want me to hang out with you? Validating the situation. You're in a tough situation. Validating what you think you heard them say. From what I understand, you're saying dot, dot, dot. Now, this is just one situational example talking about how somebody might express they're overwhelmed and how we might follow up. Now, I want you to think about all the other places, whether a friend is going through a rough time at work, a marriage conflict, grief, loss, triggers from past trauma. Each time it's worth a pause to check my response to make sure that my purpose is to help that person feel heard, valued, and understood rather than a project that I need to fix. It takes practice and I'll practice not fixing if you want to try it out too and let me know how it goes. Well, I'll do it either way. Whether you try it out or not, I'll do it. But you can let me know how it goes. I would love to know some feedback if you've had somebody try a a method with you of just listening. And I want to hear how that made you feel as well. So I invite you to the Facebook community, Life Repurposed, so that we can have more of those conversations and talk about that as well. Now I want to leave you with a resource like I always do. For today's resource, I want to share a podcast episode that was super meaningful to me this week. It is from my friend who's in the Christian Podcasters Association, and her name is Amy Watson. And she poured out her heart in her latest episode on her show, Wednesdays with Watson. Amy's story shows us that behind the scenes, there can be so much happening in somebody's life. And we don't know what pain someone else is going through. We don't know how far back that pain goes. And so sometimes we miss it because we're not listening. And we might be trying to fix in the moment and not realize there's more to the story. Amy didn't want tragedy to define her, but she has a story of how God has restored her. So she's put her story out there and now she's moving forward. She helps others recover from the PTSD of a traumatic past. But rather than being defined by what was broken, Amy is defined by what is healed. And this is intentional on her part of moving forward and being defined by what is healed and being healed knowing that we all are in a process of being healed. Here's what Amy's story taught me as I listened to it when I was walking at the track this week. It taught me about listening for clues to a person's hurts and emotions. It taught me about practicing empathy and about rejoicing with victory. It taught me about the continuing process of somebody's healing and how we can walk through that with them at their own pace and let them decide what that pace is going to be versus me prescribing what it should be. It sounds like a life repurposed, doesn't it? I'm going to put the link to Amy's podcast, Wednesdays with Watson, in the show notes so that you can listen to this episode too. There's actually a part one and a part two. She shared the first part on her podcast and the second part as a guest on another podcast. And so I'll put both of those links there. But the reason I want you to listen to that this week is to think about the people you know and see if you can discover some clues about people by listening more and see if it's possible 
that there are parts of their stories that they have never shared, and maybe they never will with you, but to know sometimes there's a reason behind what stresses somebody out, and sometimes they're not looking for a quick fix. Sometimes there's other stuff going on. So as we think about listening this week, my challenge is that we would put empathy before solutions and that we would make it our brand new purpose to listen more and fix less. And in the process, I have a feeling our relationships are going to grow even closer as we support the people who are on that journey to life repurposed. I want to thank you for listening this week. You will find the show notes at michellerayburn.com slash 98. I always put extra resources in those show notes as well. And I'd love for you to join that Facebook community that I mentioned We are growing that community, and every so often I'm sharing some resources there, but a lot of the times it's us just having conversation and learning to use social media in a way that builds people up. That's my goal for the group, is that we encourage and lift one another up, that we learn some serious things and some fun things about each other, and in the process, we all let God repurpose whatever is going on in our lives. So thank you again for being here, and I will see you next week with another guest interview. You've been listening to Life Repurposed with Michelle Rayburn. Check out tips, resources, and inspiration at michellerayburn.com. I'd love it if you would subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, or Spotify. I'd also love it if you would like, review, and share the information about this podcast with your friends. Thank you so much for listening.